Assalamualaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope. Or we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the mobile university for entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. This episode is going to be the first episode I use to release season number seven. Uh, Beverly Davis, someone I follow on, on Twitter, tweeted something and so this guest came up in my feed and I was like oh okay because you know I talk about business here and teachers creating multiple streams of income but when I saw this I said oh she is for real (laughs) she is so real and so you know we connected on Twitter and I wanted to have her on uh, to talk about the work she's doing with her business her company and ask her some other things that deal with uh, success and purpose. So for those who'll be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify, will you please introduce yourself, Lucia Bukulu Lumpage Wamala. Wow, Dr. Well, thank you so much. It's like, you know, you think about Twitter and censorship aside, how amazing like we live in the best time in the world i think yeah. everyone feels like the sky is falling the world is awful i'm like guys can we have some perspective and go back in history this is the best time in history how else would we, like when else could we have ever connected so easily so i mean thank you so much for having me on you know my name is lucia most people call me lucy so whichever one i'm good with either and um yeah you know i'm just starting my company well I started a while ago and trying to do some good in the world and I'm looking forward to talking about it with you awesome awesome thanks for again coming on the show and then it was is Wamala people Wamala because I just <laughs> messed it up so I'm just I, you know I'm trying to do it and I have this southern tongue that I'm dealing with right now uh so usually I ask people what do they think they were doing with were doing when they were growing up, but I heard about your background. So I really want to ask you about sort of what excites you the most about being an entrepreneur. And when I I think when I bring on people normally who come on the show, who are entrepreneurs, you know, no one talks about, oh, I created an energy company. So how and why renewable energy? (laughs) I know it's so, I, I, I think it's, People find it bizarre and random, and so do I. (laughs) Um, You know, what excites me, though, I get excited by hearing, like, other people's stories and other people's ideas. And, you know, the listeners can't hear. Before we even hit record, I was like, Dr. Will, tell me about you. Like, that's what actually excites me. And it kind of ties into why we do energy, because it's the precursor to all development. And it's hard for us, you guys, you can hear my accent and clearly, you know, I'm Western, (laughs) I grew up in Canada. And for us in North America, it's really hard to kind of wrap our brains around what I mean when I say that. But like, you can just kind of think whenever you have a freak storm, wherever you've been and the power's gone out and it's like, it's been pandemonium, it's crazy. Now imagine that every day, you know, like, 
you can't achieve your dreams or even start to think that far. Like if you want to talk like Maslow's hierarchy or whatever, whatever you want to talk, you can't get to the point of the exciting conversation I had with Dr. Will earlier, because it's like, you don't have electricity, your business won't run. And people talk about all these like sexy things like AI, all amazing stuff, but you need electricity. It's boring, you know, it's not glamorous or anything, but when I was, you know, thinking of how I could contribute to, you know, people's lives back home where I'm from, it kind of just seemed like a no brainer in theory, <laughs> actually doing it's a different, a different conversation, but it just seemed like, you know, if we don't have electricity, nothing is going to work. Mm. Well, that seemed like that's a fact. <laughs> Awesome. So you are the founder of Bukulu Power. Yeah. How, and, and, and this is, because I want you to tell me about your company. Like, what do you do? And I've never even, like, I've heard of solar panels before. Everyone has heard of solar panels. But when you say we create mini grids because of X, Y, and Z that is involved, like, what did that come from? Well, okay, so first I'll start with what we do. We are essentially like project developers, but we, once the project's developed, we don't sell it. We keep the asset and we operate it. So I, I like to kind of liken it to um, condo developments. So I, I live in Toronto most of the time and Toronto's just crazy, crazy condo. I don't know where, you know, wherever people are listening, I hope they can apply it maybe to like, um, building houses or, you know, whatever kind of um, housing is in your neighborhood. So when you look at someone who's developing a condo, you have to get air rights where you can, where, you know, where the government will tell you how tall it can be. You have to figure out your sewage system. You have to get zoning permits, construction. That's all the work of a developer. So for us, it's like we have to do um, like environmental studies and socioeconomic studies and that kind of same development. And then we build primarily mini grids. So a mini grid, it's just like an electricity system, but for a certain area. So you probably are connected to a national grid and everybody pays, like, I mean, Dr. Will, like, like what company do you pay for? Well, not, not pay for, what company do you pay for electricity? It's probably state run. Correct. Uh, I don't know if it's state run or a corporation, but yeah, we are a part of a of a grid. We have a power company that we pay every month. Yeah. So uh, so basically, that's what we are. So we do all of the development, and then we generate, we distribute, and we sell electricity. And it can be a bit confusing, you know. To that's why I kind of it's a bit long winded <laughs> story, because generally the developer is one company. So someone will develop the condo and then you'll have, sucks that all my references would be like Toronto companies, but then you'd have somebody who, you know, when you actually buy your condo or you're paying your rent, you sign the check to a different company. We're both. Mm. So we, um, yeah. So normally, and when you're talking about electricity, you buy your, you buy your electricity and it comes from the national grid and that's state run. And then there's someone who has the um, contract to actually sell you electricity. They're the ones who you actually pay and they buy, you know, and there's a whole 
system. There's someone who generates the electricity, which is normally called a GenCo. And then you have someone who transmits it through the distribution lines and then someone who sells it. We do the whole thing. So it's, sorry for being so long-winded, but there isn't really a much more simple way to explain it. Um, yeah, and a mini grid would just be like, you know, for example, you could think of like a university campus. Sometimes universities will have their own electricity grid where they'll do the whole cycle themselves. That's what we do. Just, we happen to be doing them on islands in Uganda. Wow. Because when I heard about it, I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> You know, this is different from someone putting some solar panels on the house. Yeah. Uh, this is, wow, this is major right here. Uh, I'm just thinking, because when I think of it is like, this is not the potential for millions of dollars. We're talking billions of dollars that you have with your company. When you hear that, what comes to, to mind, you know, and how do you feel to actually be a part of the technological advancing and or innovation that's happening in Africa right now? Well, honestly, when you say that, like my armpits start to sweat a little bit. <laughs> if I'm being honest, they're sweating a little. Um, but I mean, I just like, I, I definitely see how big it can be. That's one thing I definitely can see because you know, earlier, Dr. Will, Dr. Will and I were talking about like problem energy, you know, like and, and solution energy where a lot of people get stuck in the problem energy. When it comes to Africa, they're like, you know, 800 million people don't have electricity. And it's like, okay, yeah, we know that, but they just kind of keep reiterating the problem. But I look at like a solution energy where I'm like, yeah, that's 800 million potential clients, <laughs> customers. Who, you know, you can scale this up and you can replicate the way we do our projects all over the continent. People need it. And then sometimes I remind people at the same token, I, you know, I've been to Northern Canada and there's not that many people who've really actually been to Northern Canada and they need the same thing that we're doing in Uganda. <laughs> so there's a lot of parts. Like I'm sure you guys even have pockets in the US. Like, I mean, I know everybody loves to talk about Flint doesn't have clean water. We all people love that example, but I'm sure if you really talk to people in that industry, they tell you Flint's not the only place. It is a bit infamous. So these are problems that they're all over the world. and you can stay in the problem energy, you can come into the solution energy and see like, you know, there's a huge, 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 huge need that needs to be met. And, you know, fortunately those things do come with financial gains, financial um, rewards. Yeah, yeah, I'm, look, I, I can't even dream of, I, you, millions astounds me you know i'm an educator so you know no one goes into my field thinking you're going to be driving a maserati at some point in your life so so when when i think of billions that is generational wealth and you actually work you know with your family in this company yeah. but creating a company where you can take your model and expand it across the, the continent. That is, that's just really, wow. I, I'm getting giddy right now. I'm getting so excited about the possibilities right here. Yeah, it'd be, I think it's 
exciting. And I mean, it's not all lollipops and sunshine. I mean, it's a very scary thing. It's definitely scary, but um, sorry if you heard that. I was putting salt on French fries for my daughter. <laughs> but it's, de <laughs> it's definitely scary because, you know, the same, like that potential reward comes with a risk just as heavy. So, you know, you dip into that excitement to kind of keep you going and wipe your tears at night as you can't sleep because you're worried about the world crashing down, your personal world crashing down on you. But that excitement is a huge motivating factor. So how did you, it's like the idea comes to you, this is what I want to do, but creating a power company is different from saying I want to open up a clothing store because you need government approval and you need yeah. to work with all of these people. Yes. How, how did you go about getting all of that sort of approved and, and, and get things operating? Well, I mean, I gotta say it's, it's, it's not like a case closed situation. <laughs> it's, it's ongoing and it is, um, it's challenging. It's very, very, very challenging. I think, you know, there was one time when I first had the idea, I remember I had dinner with these executives, really weird story. They, I think I found them on Twitter also, like how I found you, Dr. Well. But um, they happened to be in town in Toronto from Portugal. This company's now, now gone bankrupt actually. But anyways, um, and we had dinner and they told me they were an energy company and they told me, they're like, you know, if you knew how hard this was, you would never bother. They're like, the best thing that could ever happen to you is that you have no idea what you're doing, <laughs> which sounds like a veiled insult, but it actually makes a lot of sense because it is really hard. And it's like, every day's a new day. It's not like I even knew, sorry, I'm done putting salt. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like I even knew the path I had to take it's it, it's like you have to have this probably a bit like delusional spirit of adventure because I, I didn't know you know you start with one thing and you're like okay well how do I do it how do I find someone who knows how to do it and that's kind of how it goes it's like okay well we got to do this environmental impact assessment on how to do it where do we recruit this person okay well which government agency do we take it to do we know anyone there how do we find them let's google them let's email them let's i mean i can be a bit of a stalker too i'll tweet you i'll find you on your facebook i i'll use these tools that are available to us and um yeah there's a lot a lot a lot of government things i've been lucky because a lot of um our destiny changed once i was in once i was named in forbes that was a big um destiny changer i i hear you i was interviewed on forbes.com about my documentary i oh hello my fellow forbes <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure for you, yeah. Dr. Roman, wasn't that a destiny changer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, people saw me as legit at first, you know, when I'm, you know, I got this documentary out about educators becoming consultants. Some people are like, oh, what's that? But as soon as it hit fours, people were like, oh, you're legit now. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. 
you know, I mean, you can you can take the Elizabeth Holmes route. <laughs> you know, you can end up like starting a Theranos, where it's just a whole bunch of nothingness, and you're just living for. Well, I mean, I'm not going to diagnose Elizabeth Holmes per se, but I'm like, a person could just be like, oh, I've got all this cloud, and just you know, oh, I let me give you the gems of life, and take that kind of really um, like shallow, superficial route. Or you could take, you could look at it the way I believe both of us did, and that okay, what I'm trying to do is real, and let me use this credibility as a stepping stone, and keep working and keep working harder, and kind of prove everybody who even like took a chance on writing about me or you, prove them right, and keep, you know, acquiring building blocks. So for me, that was huge because, you know, through all of these building blocks, I got invited to be part of a working group with the European Union. And I represented private sector for Africa. And the European Union was, they, they were trying to find, I mean, they still are, but they were trying to find new ways to invest in, in energy projects in Africa. So I was very lucky to get to go. I spent a lot of time in Belgium, 2019. I was going to say last year because 2020 just doesn't exist in my brain, but I'm just going to wipe that year off the memory book. But I spent a lot of time in Belgium and other people on the working group were um, from developmental finance institutions, DFIs, within the European Union. So even that kind of helped me to start to learn about government and kind of get in those rooms. And I, I do have a degree in public administration. So I, I studied government too. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's one of those things where, and please cut me off, I talk a lot. I'm here like just going off on a tangent, but I think a lot of times we feel like, you know, we can look at other people's stories and think they just like drew up this brilliant master plan and it all went according to a plan, but sometimes it, you can just have a slight destiny changing moment mm -hmm. that can lead you towards something. And it's only, you know, when you can sit back and, you know, use a little, do a little reflection that you're like, oh, snap, all of this stuff led me to this place. It's not that I was just bestowed with this unique knowledge. It's really a series of like small things. Now, I don't want to sound corny, but it is. Yeah. So here in the United States, we have areas, even in my own state, where people live a certain distance out where they don't have access to Comcast Internet because in terms of infrastructure, the cables haven't been uh, put down. Right. Uh, and it happens in certain places, even in major cities where certain neighborhoods don't have access to certain uh, internet because again the infrastructure isn't there uh, what is it like building what you're doing when infrastructure that we in let's say western world take for granted because we don't think about it we just wake up and it's there and it's been there when it's not and, and you're in an area where it's not there and you're trying to build something to create an infrastructure there that hasn't been what is that like? It's hard. And it's like, I, I, I just, I'm so, I love the way you even illustrated that question. Cause I think you, like you humanized it, you know? And it's, I, I just, I like how you humanized it. And it's like a lot of areas in the world have these things and it might not be as, 
maybe dramatic as it is, you know, in parts of Uganda, but it's, it's essentially the same thing. So it's very challenging. And a, a big challenge is that um, a lot of people don't quite get it. Like, I mean, I'm going to just play that that snippet of what you said for people and I'll be like do you understand <laughs> it's hard but no I mean I'll just give you an example like when we were um before we even did like our financial model and we were trying to see if you know this was a project that's even worth our time we had to do a huge socioeconomic study and knock on every door on these three islands and it was I mean besides not even knowing how to write a questionnaire like that, that was a huge undertaking. We realized like, hey, are we gonna jump on a boat across, like, you know, across Lake Victoria with like stacks of paper? Like, that doesn't make sense. So then I'm like, hey guys, like this is just ridiculous. And we're supposed to be like so-called environmentalists. Like this is, this is stupid. So it's like, okay, we'll do one, a slick one on the, on the phone online. And then it's like, yeah, Lucy, you're not in Toronto there's no electricity where we're going. And there's, you know, the internet's not like, there's a lot of issues. So we had to find, um, we, found a, we found a service, a system where we could do it, like, the, like the, the survey was offline and then it would record everything. And then at night you would turn on, like we actually, sorry, we rewind it even a bit. We set up our own little solar system for where we were staying like a very very small one and got a MiFi, like a little little in like a little router so we would do all the work and then at night turn on the my like you know plug in our own little system turn on the MiFi, upload the results turn it off rinse and repeat so yeah there's a lot of pro there's a lot of issues like that and even when it comes to like constructing there aren't um docks on a lot of these islands you'll see people there'll be someone at the shore I guess you call it in like gum boots like rain boots and they'll physically carry you off the boat on like so there's like ish there's challenge on challenge on challenge on challenge and it's like I, I mean I used to have days where I'm like yeah, I just look for a job <laughs> like I can't do this I'm gonna look for another job this is ridiculous but then when you kind of shift out of that problem energy into the solution energy, you're like, well, this is really meaningful. And if we can overcome these things, we can absolutely replicate other places. Cause I can't imagine somewhere being more challenging than this. Yeah, but we need you, we, we need you doing that work and we need other black people owning it, owning the IP, owning the company, hiring, and supporting you know other Africans because I hope people know that Africa is the richest continent on earth but speak uh, it you know what I'm saying I hope people know that but what has happened over the years uh you know since colonial colonialism too many others and outsiders have benefited from those riches and not uh black folk because for me when you tell me that the internet isn't widespread in Africa. And when I say internet, I'm not talking about, you know, mobile devices, because we know mobile devices is huge over there, yeah. but internet as we in the West think of in your house because, or, or in a workplace or a building, because again, the infrastructure, the cabling, all of this stuff has been, 
been done um and you and you say to yourself wow this is a continent that is all black for them i mean i know other people out there but black run by black folks and i'm and and what hurts me sometimes it's like why hasn't africa been more developed when it's us and i understand we have our issues i understand certain countries again are you know they're paying France and other stuff right now? By the way, stop paying France. We could speak on that. You know, government, <laughs> has been, government of France has been nice to me, but even they can't deny just facts. I'm not hating Macron, but we can't deny facts. You know, and that's one of those things to where I'm like, even in America, when I speak to what I do on this podcast, you know, and people say, well, this is about white supremacy and this is this. And I tell them, I don't concern myself with white supremacy because that is a system that we did not create. We're not going to break it either. White people have to have to abolish that. But what we can do is build black businesses. What we can do is work cooperatively to build schools. What we can do is build farms. We can do all sorts of sorts of things, things that which we can feed ourselves, employ ourselves, and educate ourselves, and build for ourselves, and not be beholden on the kindness of other people to see our humanity, but that we can take control over our destinies for ourselves and whatever you know. And so, when you come to the table, you come to the table with a different type of power because you don't have to negotiate with them on, please help me, please help the law treat me equally. Yeah. You come to the table of, I don't need you because I got mine. And, yeah. and, that's, and that's where when I look at Africa, some, you know, sometimes uh, I go, we have such a great opportunity, not only in the continent to be that leader there for the people there, but for people you know, like myself and like, you know, uh, black people like yourself from Canada who are come from enslaved uh, former Africans for us to be able to go back to Africa and build businesses and contribute and, and be a part of the, the, the country and its future. I, when I think about that, I go, Ooh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm just like, when is this going to happen? Because I'm ready. Yeah, but you know what I think it is? It's like, there's so, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, maybe we're, we need like a matchmaking service or something. I, I don't know because I know so many dope people who do dope things. And it's like all over the world. I know dope people in France. I know dope people in Morocco, dope people in the US. It's like, it's almost like we have to learn like, discernment in a bit because sometimes the people who we see on the tv every day who are the loudest who are like boss i'm boss they're kind of the ones who aren't doing anything unfortunately many times the people who really like are doing something are so busy doing it they're not talking about it so then you can get discouraged when you meet just this kind of like phony pretender middleman kind of person and it's like a real shame. Like, I mean, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was from my uncle, his father to 
my god when my goddaughters and it was when I was just starting I had all these ideas of what I wanted to do in Uganda and he told me he's from Togo and he told me he's like you know you have to learn discernment he says especially when we're talking about Africa in Africa you can have a president a prime minister a deputy prime minister a second deputy a literally a third deputy you there's you can have a cabinet with 70 portfolios so everyone's a minister and then there's the deputy minister so it can be very difficult to know who really even has the power you know and there's such a huge power distance in Africa there's no not really middle class you know so it's can be confusing and when you come from the west you know like I was born in Kenya and I'm my parents are Ugandan and everything. I was a refugee. I, so I was born during the war. So I grew up in Canada. So when you're like me, you grow up here, you look and you're like, no, well, that's the minister of, you know, national defense or whatever. So your logic tells you, okay, that's the person, but it's a bit confusing in Africa. And he said, you need to learn kind of quickly who says they have the power to help you, but really doesn't, who has the power to help you, but really won't. He's like, but sometimes there's someone who has the power and will help you. And that's a destiny changer. Mm. And I think when it comes to us wanting to just collaborate with other people, we have to kind of start to learn, okay, who's someone who, like, who's serious? Who's doing some real dope shit? Like, for, sorry, excuse me, like for real, for real. And then focus on that because you get burned a lot. Everybody will, no matter what you do. But it doesn't mean you stop trying because there's, like you said, it's the richest place on earth. You know, Uganda, for example, now I'm going to put on my, uh, my tourism hat, <laughs> but Uganda, for example, is the size of Oregon, has a larger population than Canada does. Uganda's got about 40 million people. It is said that if Uganda were commercially farmed, it could feed the entire continent of Africa. It is that fertile. Wow. Uganda at almost every climate you could imagine. There's rainforest, there's Sahara, there's savanna, there's snow-capped mountains, there's desert, there's everything, you know? And then, I mean, obviously we all know, not we all know, let me not say obviously, that's not a fair thing to say. There's a lot of things that other people obviously know that I don't know. But many of us know about the Democratic Republic of Congo. We know, a lot of us know that that's where a lot of minerals are. So. There's that, and then there's just even the resource of people. You know, we're starting to see more and more reports, more, it's becoming more of a common knowledge that Africa is gonna have the largest population in the world very soon. The youngest population in the world, Uganda is the second youngest country in the world. Niger is the, is the youngest, but the difference is like negligence, very, very minor. So when you look at all of these things, it's like, there's so much there. And I just kind of hate how we end up, you know, here in the West fighting about like the dumbest stuff. You know, and like, like we're, we're all so much more alike than we are different. And I don't care if you, for me, I have partnered, I'm building, a, we're building a school right now with an organization from France. It's a, it's a French woman who's doing it. She's white. Am I going to say, no, no, you're not black, kick rocks. No, I don't care who you are. If you want to contribute, you want to get your hands dirty in an ethical way, <laughs> but you know, you want to contribute something, then let's do it. 
I hear you. I hear you. Uh, W.E.B. Du Bois used to talk about the talented tenth, mm. and um, I think we may need to start that as Black people get our talented tenth together across the world with the continent and start to build something uh, that is uh, powerful uh, and something that we can all, you know, benefit from. I, I'm I'm just at a point to where. I'm just not amused by, you know, what's happening. You know, like when we had our issues, you know, a few months ago and people were, were they weren't issues, but, you know, black people being murdered and then marching, right? Yeah. And I was like, stop marching. We've been marching forever and they don't solve anything. Black people got a chance to ride the bus can sit anywhere they want to sit, not because uh, Miss Rosa Parks, bless her, uh, refused to give up the seat. That was like a catalyst, but Black people stopped riding the bus. They walked, they carpooled, they didn't ride the bus for over a year. Hmm. They lost all of that money, hmm. and suddenly the racism kind of went away. And hmm. This is where I say, don't march. Use your buying power Amen. to stop buying from companies that don't see our humanity. And on top of that, we need to start to build our own. Amen. Where Amen. you don't have to deal with a Facebook. You got some brother or sister has created another social platform that we can all gather and build on. Amen. You know, I, I just, I think like, I don't know, sometimes I, I, I think and I'm like, you know, I'm really becoming an old head. You know, like I have, I have a goddaughter who's 16 and her sister is not technically my goddaughter, but she is whatever. She's 15. And I listen to them and I'm like, man, I'm getting, I really am getting old because there's certain things that I'm like, Sometimes I feel, I'm like, are we going in circles here? We all know economic empowerment is the name of the game. We know that. We can, we don't have to sit and guess. We can look at other cultures, other societies. Like it just, that's what it is. So I'm like, it's frustrating to me when we have this weird, we have this culture where on one hand, everybody wants to be a boss and we denigrate people who work nine to fives, which is ridiculous because if you even have the stomach for entrepreneurship and you have the stamina, you have the ability to maintain, which I think is the largest determining factor of success. You have the ability to maintain, you're going to need people to work for you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to need people who are going to buy from you. And they will, both of those groups will have nine to five. So I think that's rubbish. So we have on one hand, on one hand, this boss, this boss, you know, B-I-T-C-H, whatever culture. And then on the flip side, it's like people are haters where it's like, oh, Master P, those manyatis are whack. Ew. And I'm like, we're hating on Master P. Like, are you are are you guys smoking crack? This guy wants. This guy comes up and is like, you want you eat these instant noodles anyways. You eat this rice anyways. Why don't you buy it from me? I'm buying my communities. I you know me, and everyone's hating. So I'm like, how is it that you want to be a boss, but then you don't want to support people who are like actually established and can 
help you and put you on and can give a real multiplier effect. How are these two things happening? But you want to go march. And I'm not disrespecting marching. It's like, we need all of the above. It's like I was, I did an interview with this German media maybe a couple of weeks ago. And I was saying, I'm like, I don't, it's not that I hate activists. That's a part of the equation. But we can't all throw up a hashtag and then just wait for Elon Musk to solve our problems. And then complain when Elon is said to be the richest man on earth. Well, like, <laughs> I don't know what you guys want. It's confusing. And then I'm like, at the end of the day, we still have problems. And I'm like, no, we got to get out of this pop problem energy and support people, you know, support each other. I don't want to sound corny. And you could even hear, like, I'm getting riled up, I'm getting irritated. But like, I don't want to sound like corny, but I'm a mother. And I'm like, you know, there's this one book that says everything I needed to learn, I learned in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, it's the truth where it's like, we got to support each other. It might be okay today for, you know, today for me, tomorrow for you. Like, everyone, you got to play your part. You got to support people. Sometimes your fault, sometimes you're in the background. That's just what it is. And I don't know. I just get frustrated, like, especially when it comes to like Master P or like another guy I love, Damon Dash. He's got Dame Dash Studios. Yeah, but oh my God, well, it's on Netflix. And I'm like, well, what do you guys want? Like, these are a lot. We have so many of just our own, even, I mean, for me, I'm going to talk about hip hop. I love. I grew up listening to hip hop. I grew up on these guys. And I'm like, we've got a lot of heroes in that community. And it's like, when I see us like hating on our own heroes, I'm like, well, like, what the hell's wrong with us? Yeah, we, we got to get out of their Kool-Aid is better than ours. You know, we, we yeah. have to, we have to shake that. Uh, the colonial masters, his mental slavery, you know, we, we have to, to, to get beyond that. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love Jay-Z and LeBron uh, so much because, you know, Jay-Z reached a certain level. And what I like about him is when you hear his first CD to his recent ones, and he talked about this in, in, in an interview, he said, I first got in the game, my experience is I was a drug dealer. You hear my music, that's what you hear. He said, but since then, I've been in boardrooms. I've yeah. traveled the world. I've done business. So all of that has impacted who I am as a person. And you see it reflected in my music. And the fact that, you know, he understood ownership and what ownership meant and what it continues to mean and how he has made his moves in the background and has done his investments and created his own companies and all these things. And when I heard this brother in uh, this joint called Entrepreneur that he partnered with Pharrell to do, mm. I was like, oh, I, was, mm -hmm. I listened to that yesterday. Um, and he was like, you know, when you listen to the Hulu, go buy yourself, you know, a couple of FUBUs. You know, he was like, you know, make sure that you are investing in your own and that we own that. our stuff because we've always white people have, have always let us sing and dance but they owned everything yeah. else 
Huh. Right. Huh. So we now can we sing, can. but they own the recording. You know what I'm saying? They own the record company. And yeah. it is time for us yeah. to own our intellectual property, to own what we create so that we actually economically benefit from it and not someone else. That's the thing. It's like, like, there's just so many examples where it's like, I know people love to hate Kanye, but you clearly don't hate him because you love to talk about him. If you really hated him, you wouldn't talk about him. But when Kanye says, he's like, listen, like, look at what I've done for Adidas and I'm doing this for Gap. Why am I not on the board of Gap? You can call him crazy, even though it's that crazy that made the music you loved, but that makes sense. You know, it, it, what he's saying really makes a lot of sense. Or when he says, why can't I have my master's? I have the money. I'll pay you. It's like, stop looking at, the, you know, the way someone can be demonized. And sometimes people do deserve, you know, some, everyone deserves scrutiny. I'm not saying that. But there's a lot of things that these guys who we've, you know, they gave us all this amazing music to party to. They're smart guys. And we can look at it. And I use them to illustrate a lot. I kind of joke with people. I'm like, if you work with us, I'm just going to give you like 10 Jay-Z albums and you'll understand me a lot more because I'll pull up, I'll pull out a hope quote. Like you, you'll just start laughing. I just have in my back pocket all the time. But I use those guys as examples because they, I grew up with them. I respect them. They motivate me. You can take whoever, whatever industry you love, if it's, whatever it is if you know a lot about scientists or you know about whatever you just grab your favorite role model and it's like there's a lot of things we can learn and a lot of it just comes down to like supporting each other like dr will when you i know you said to call you well but i don't know i just like calling you dr will but it's like you know when you reached out to me it was like i think it's amazing like the power of conversation is it's such a strong thing. You just never know what someone else can say to you. They'll spark an idea. And I have millions of examples of that. You never know who, I never know who you know, who might help me or who's listening or who I know. Or, and I think we just need to get back to that. Like we don't, don't try and flex on everybody and don't try and stunt. And you're not always the teacher. And you know, I know people love Clubhouse and stuff, but I'm like, oh, now everybody thinks they're a freaking public speaker and has gems to drop. Like, oh my god. Hey, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on it. Um, we've been talking about entrepreneurship, and and I'm all about that entrepreneurial mindset. You know, even as an, an educator, because I, I, you know, I'm all about my side hustle. Um, what have you learned about entre entrepreneurship? Like what has it taught you about life and what has been the greatest lesson you've learned so far? I mean, I think at the sound, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, but I, it's just, it's just relationships. That's like the biggest thing to me. You know, I have had a severe insecurity about not being an engineer. And I was so insecure about it. Oh my God, but I'm not technical with this, but they're gonna expect me to do this. And my brother, who's just like an angel, may God bless him, you know, he would tell me, he's like, Lucy, but for your role, you 
probably are better off not being an engineer, <laughs> you know? And he's like, even when it comes to finance, he's like, Lucy, nobody's born with the gift of finance. Mm. You learn it. So you can learn it. And then you find people who can fill those knowledge gaps you don't have. And the ability to do that is relationships. It's just everything. I mean, I'm lucky in a lot of ways because I'm the youngest of six children. So, and I'm African. So, <laughs> you know, I grew up in a house when if the phone, if, you know, there's, you're on the phone and that caller ID comes through and the person on the other line is calling for somebody older than you, you have to get off the phone. You respect your elders where I come from. So I'm the youngest, so I always had to get off the phone. You know, like that's, you know, the oldest person in the room chose what you're watching on TV. Like there was always kind of that level of, you know, a bit of deference. Like it, and even in my culture, I'm from a tribe called um, Baganda. So I'd be called a Muganda, because M is singular. So Baganda people, women, we kneel to greet people older than us. It's a very, um, not it's a very, very like respectful culture. So I've always had to learn how to deal with, with different people, you know, all different temperaments, different kinds of people. And I think it helped me in life, you know, um, learn how to just communicate and try and understand other people. And I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned where, um, I can even look at a, a, a situation like we're in right now where, yes, you asked to interview me, but there's huge benefit in me learning about you. So that for me is the biggest lesson, you know, just treat people, again, it sounds corny and stuff, but it's like, try and treat people well, try and look at things that, you know, a win-win mind like mind frame like you know it's not only me taking from you I'm taking from everyone like what can I offer someone else what can I contribute to what you're doing that's the biggest thing I've learned you know I um not like this I, I didn't grow up you know a lot of people have these stories like oh I grew up and I was selling lemonade like I don't have one of those stories <laughs> though as a mother as I learned it I'm trying to teach these things to my daughter. Like my daughter loved making slime. So two years ago, she was, was it two years? Yeah, two years ago, she was selling her slime on Etsy. And she would even look at like the back end of things, you know, or even right now as her school's not, she's not able to go in person. I was just talking to her about, you know, you she could have an, her own class on out school where she teaches kids how to make slime because she knows how to do it so well. So I think like the, kind of more entrepreneurial lessons come out in my motherhood with my daughter. Mm. But for me, it's just about relationships. Mm. You know, and not like, sorry to cut you off my last little bit to my tangent is like, mm -hmm. a lot of people talk about like networking. I don't know how to network in that sense of like selling myself and here's my card, me, 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 me. It's more like, I'm just always, feel very fortunate if I go somewhere I'm at a conference or I speak and I can connect with someone just on a human level and we can actually form a friendship and really look at things in the long run and try and find how we can support each other's own projects and dreams or whatever like if you look on my whatsapp I got pictures of everyone's kids you'll be like a you could be like a minister in the government in, in like Egypt 
and we're just talking about our children you know and like a lot of us are just so much more alike than you could imagine and i find when you can talk when you can get somebody on a human level it's nourishing for yourself it's nourishing for them and then you were like okay you know what can we really do rather than like a transactional relationship mm. i don't like that mm. so earlier you mentioned how your daughter was uh, that taken a stock market uh course and yeah. i have you know, I always do my, you know, some research on people I bring on the show. So I've, I've gone on the internet, looked you up, and I've seen how you've been on these panels. You, you've done all this traveling. You, you, you've been doing a lot of speaking about entrepreneurship and energy. And from those experiences, uh, speak to, if you will, the importance of actually public education teaching financial literacy and the importance of entrepreneurship? Oh, I mean, when it comes to financial literacy, I myself need to still learn financial literacy for being honest. I think it is of paramount importance. And that's why, yeah, you can see, you know, I have my daughter learning about the stock market from, from the age of, you know, from 10, because, it just gives a huge advantage. So for me, like my parents died when I was young. My father died, I was probably two years old. My mom died, I was in high school. So I sometimes will think, and I was talking to my brother about the other day where I'm like, if we had had, you know, parents during those crucial times, like, I mean, I lost a parent during the two most important developmental phases in someone's life. You know, if I'd had someone to teach me, like, don't, go and apply for every credit card that mm. has a booth on campus at university. It's not actually free money. Just something that simple is huge. And then now we have so many tools where I'm blessed. I can put my daughter to out school, an out, out school course to learn about that. It's a huge, it's amazing. And, you know, that's the way that we, you know, as a, you know, as a black community and not to exclude anyone who's listening, who's, who's black within even just your own community, your neighbors, your, you know, the bakery you go to down the street, whatever, that's the way we all improve our living situations. Our standards of living is through economic empowerment. And a lot of these things, they're not like ancient secrets. Some people mm -hmm. do are given a better hand in life. That's a fact, but there's a lot that, we can do with our hand so I think it's you know it's the most important then you can you know the dream is to get to a place of you know at least some kind of financial freedom to where you know you can start to do you know passion projects and you can be more available to your family you can be more available to your kids they'll get a better version of you so if we have any financial um, literacy teachers, holler at me because I'm a student too. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So before we go, what is your call to action uh, for those educators who they're seeing small growth in their side hustles, right? They're, mm -hmm. they're, things aren't, aren't happening as quickly as they expected. They're not seeing the consistency 
in the coin, right? So they may see $2,000 in August and maybe they don't see any money for another couple of months. What do you say to them to encourage them to keep moving, to keep going and not to uh, give up? I mean, I, I mean, I'm just going to say what I say to myself because I, you know, it, it's the same stuff I say to myself. Sometimes I think just accepting that it is a kind of a roller coaster. Like it's just kind of some things you got to charge it to the game. Like there will just be some moments where you feel like nothing's moving. You'll feel like you messed up. And a lot of times you did mess up. And that's just part of the game to develop a bit of a a, a, a toughness, a resilience. And I think a way to do that is to A, be honest with yourself and be honest with other people because it, there's a lot of us out there. You know, there's a lot of people like you and I who are, you know, we're trying to do stuff and we are doing, we're beyond trying, we're doing. And we can share a lot of things. We can, we can commiserate on things. And I think sometimes, you know, if you can, some people, we can get prideful and then you're, you're carrying the burden all on your own. Whereas if you were just like, you had someone you trust, you confide and you respect mm -hmm. and you share what you're going through, they'll be like, oh man, well, I, that's, I felt like that last month, you know, and maybe <laughs> offer a, a solution to something. I think, again, I, there's just the power is in communicating, it's in relationships and you just have like you know just keep going and then sometimes part of being honest with yourself is saying i'm going to stop <laughs> you know sometimes that's just what it has to be and it's something we all feel like i personally listen to i like podcasts i like interviews um and i have you know people that i respect and i like to listen to them speak and I like to listen, like, I, I'm a fan of Elon Musk. Elon tweeted recently how he was trying to get an investment from Apple, you know, and they frowned on him. And and this is, this is Elon Musk. This is a guy who built PayPal, a guy who built, like, how, he, how can you frown on Elon Musk? It's crazy. And then you can see that that's, that's the game. You got to charge it to the game. And if you can sit back, you're like, okay, you know, Elon has his things. Why am I going to beat myself up? You know, everybody has their things. It's just part of it. And then you can, in some really sick, twisted way, start to enjoy it. <laughs> you know, you can, in a really bizarre way, start to enjoy it. Just accept it for that just kind of beautiful, ugly, messy, emotional journey that it is. And you, you have a lot of fun, meet a lot of people, make a lot of friends along the way. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Lucia, for coming on the show. Thank you. I hope, oh my God, it was so fun. I feel like I could just chit chat with you. Where do you live? I am in Mississippi. Oh my, I've never been to Mississippi. Once the airplane, like once we can travel again and it's not super crazy, I'm coming to Mississippi because I would love to just like sit down and buy you dinner and really like just get to talking. Awesome. That'd be great. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a great uh, state. I, I, uh, I, I try to tell people, you know, come on, you know, because the housing prices are re 
ridiculous. Uh, I mean, we, you know, we have some, you know, if you want to spend, you know, 500,000 or whatever, you have that. But, you know, we bought a four bedroom, two bathroom house for $92,000. Excuse me? Excuse, like, I, I nearly yeah. died. Yeah. What? 92. Yeah. Now, I mean, there were some, you know, cosmetic stuff we had to do, like painting and, you know, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the house, you know, we, it, it's not, yeah, 92. Wow. But yeah. you know, one thing that I, I, okay, I promise this is my last thing I talk a lot. One thing I think that's interesting is I think we're going to see a lot of people really start to consider um, states or, you know, Canada provinces and places that they didn't and start to see like, you know, I'm trying to live this, you know, fast life in New York or whatever, but you might, there might be someone who heard that and is like, oh, snap, I can get some more, I can get some freedom and get some of these bills off my back in Mississippi and be able to make some different kind of moves. Like that is wild. In Toronto, I mean, Toronto has, I feel like your average, even just a condo in Toronto is like mm -hmm. six or 700,000. Like it's insane. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But anywho, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed our conversation. You can see, I don't want to hang up, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Now people, Again, this is going to be the first episode for season seven. So you know how I do this. This podcast episode is going to be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify. I need you to subscribe and follow. Yes, I like the stars, but can a brother get a comment and a review? Because I'm trying to be found, and I'm also trying to get Oprah on the show. Mm -hmm. okay. Yes. I'm You're going to get it. You're going to get, I know, and I will be like, yeah, you're going to get it. It's going to be insane. Inshallah. I'm going to have a great time that happens. Uh, I, I joke when I tell people to overcome on the show, I'm quitting my job the next day because <laughs> it means that I have arrived. Now I can get paid for podcasting. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so again, I like to thank my guest, Lucille Bukulu Lampagi Wamala for coming on and dropping so many gems. And again, I'd like to thank you for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show. As always, people, invest in you, EDU, peace.